This episode of the Pasty Tapes was brought to you with the support from members of the Pasty Tapes fan club. Special thanks to the newest members of the fan club, Kinetic Kristen and Teresa. If you want to support this podcast, keep the project rolling, visit thepastytapes.com to join the Pasty Tapes fan club now. Hello, ducklings! This is Blanche Debris, and you're listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Hi. Hello. It's been a minute. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, and I'm so happy to be talking to you today, and I'm so glad that you're here, that you're tuning back in after... A very long, much-needed, unannounced break. It's been wild times. I am sure you are all sick of hearing that. But I figured what better way to jump into doing the podcast again than having me be on the other side of the mic and have me interviewed. So today's episode is not my burlesque origin story episode. I'm not quite ready for that yet. I don't know why, uh, but that's not what today's episode is about. Today, I am having my dear friend, Aria De La Noche, interview me about how my 2020 has been so far. In this episode, we dig into mushy stuff like how I've been feeling, how the pandemic has affected me, how it's affected how I think about burlesque and look at burlesque. And I hope it's something that you enjoy. I hope it's something someone finds relatable. I love talking to Aria, and I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation. This is Aria De La Noche's interview with me, Show My More, about 2020 so far and all of the ups and downs and all of that stuff. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to this episode of the Pasty Daves. Okay, I am in my living room with Aria De La Noche. Hey. 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 Normally, episodes are recorded virtually. Like, they've always been long distance. It was using Zoom before Zoom was cool for the podcast. This time, which I guess it sounds weird, given that it's a pandemic, I'm doing it in person with Aria. Full disclosure, Aria is basically the only person... I've interacted with, like, in the pandemic, with the exception of my partner and my cat, Flanders. Can't forget Flanders. Cannot forget Flanders, <laughs> uh, who's hiding somewhere here. But yeah, you're in my bubble. Yeah, we're in the bubble. We're in the pod. We're in the quarantine pod. If anybody's going to give us COVID, it's probably going to be Flanders. Flanders, that that guy's on the town. So. <laughs> that guy's know. going to bars. Yeah. Ugh, <laughs> Flanders. But yeah. And then when you leave, uh, I'll be all alone. Stop it. I guess. Well, I'll have... Flanders and I guess Michael, but whatever. Not yeah. as important as you. And a podcast and new hobbies. Right, right. Okay, all of that's important too. Aria is here today to ask me questions. I'm so excited. Well, I think we should address the elephant in the room, which is this is your first Spacey Tapes episode in like a long time, like a minute, right? Have you done any recording or any burlesque adjacent stuff? since this dreaded virus took over our lives? Not really. The last published episode, I think, was April. I think we can go and check. But I think it was April. It was Paul Lewis's mini episode after I have a handfuls episode. And both of those were actually recorded in, like, March, maybe even February. So, no. 
Um, during the beginning of quarantine times, I recorded a few interviews, like like small handful number of interviews that haven't been published yet. But, you know, that was in March or April when we were like, okay, cool. We're just going to be on break for a month. And so I think those interviews will sound very different from what, I guess, whatever interviews I start to pick up again, or even this one, just because I haven't been doing that. Yeah, totally. I mean, what have you been doing? What have we been doing? (laughs) I've been doing lots of non-burlesque stuff. Aria and I, and I guess Flanders and Michael too, have all picked up longboarding and skateboarding. So we've been doing that. We've been cleaning my apartment more often. Really, like this time, I've just been home and enjoying being home. And that's a thing that I have not done, like since starting burlesque don't forget that you're also still working a nine to five that's very work intensive we obviously i forget it all the time you forget it literally everyone forgets it because my job sounds very made up i feel like a mix of like chandler and the dad from malcolm in the middle where it's like well you know that they work but who actually knows what they do but yes on top of all of this i have a nine to five which i'm very lucky to have that we've been able to work from home during this whole time But also, yeah, that takes a lot of time also. So that's what I've also been doing. Definitely. Have you missed the podcast at all, like, during your break from it? No. No. (laughs) Yes and no. I love the podcast. I love doing it. I think it's really, really special. I think that this is a wonderful thing to contribute to our community. I love talking to people. I love hearing how people feel about the episodes, how people feel about the show in general. But... I think, like, at the beginning of the pandemic, like, I was really, really beating myself up for being home and not working on it. Like, oh, well, we're all home right now. Like, how come I don't have five interviews a week and just knocking this out of the park? And how come I'm not churning out episodes every single week? And then it's like, well, I don't have the energy to do that. And I don't know. Does someone want to talk to me right now while they're like trying to figure out how to get in touch with their state unemployment office? Like probably not. That was such a crazy time. I feel like all we were doing was surviving. Like that's something that chandeliers would like text us every once in a while and be like, hey, babes, even if you're not doing anything, quote unquote, productive, you're surviving and that's enough. Which like bless Shan. That's such like an amazing part of her that she would do that. But like, Yeah, I totally hear you. Does anybody want to talk to you for the podcast? And also, like, do you have the energy when you're trying to get by in this Marchish time? Right. Like, I think those texts from Shan were, I mean, she would also tell us to, like, eat and drink water. And all of those things were so needed because I would sit there, like, in my bazillionth, like, Zoom call with my boss of the day thinking, well, should I email so-and-so if they're not working right now? Like, well, I should, after this work day, I should be on the phone with someone and getting their episode of the Pacey Tapes done, which, like, hell no. Yeah, it was it was weird. But that's just a thing that I do, like, this, like, weird pressure that I put on myself to do, quote-unquote, like, productive things when, like, no, I don't. We've talked about that, like, tendency to apply the internal pressure a lot. I think we both have it, but you definitely have it, and I've heard you talk about it, like, in regards to the podcast and also your burlesque life. And I want to kind of take this opportunity to talk about 
the burlesque top 50 and how you felt about that when it came out and how this past year of burlesque has been for show my more because it seems like it's been a really intense time of growth in popularity and success and in your work and the quality of your work which is all amazing but i know from knowing you that that comes hand in hand with like a lot of turmoil about like whether you're doing enough and what is enough right yeah that's a great question full disclosure right like obviously Listeners, like you were listening to someone and Aria, you were talking to someone who has a lot of anxiety, who suffers from anxiety and depression and narcolepsy and like all of this stuff that just needs to be managed. I did a conference for like muggle life and someone's like, how do you have the energy? Or like, how do you have like, how do you get it all done? And I just, you know, level set everyone like it's all done by prescription drugs. That's how this all happens. So I don't know. I just love saying that now. I think it's very funny, um, but an important, but okay. To answer your question, like how has the last year been? So if we think about the year, let's think like year of the podcast. So like a June to June or like June to August ish. It was great. It was wonderful. Like, yeah, I think a lot of stuff has happened. I think a lot of it didn't hit me until like top 50 time like that being recognized for, I guess, that hustle. But I think you could describe the last year as a hustle and just hustling. Like the podcast came out. And so that was another thing that I was doing, which again, like I loved. And then I was basically gone from my home like every weekend from last Beehoff to to November, December-ish. Or like if I was home in Chicago, like it's because I had a show or something. And that was that. Like it was, it felt endless. I loved it. I loved it. I loved traveling. I loved meeting new people. I'm very, very grateful for all of the gigs that I had and the way that I was able to develop as a performer. But like it came at the cost of, wow, like I'm not home on weekends or I don't really have friends in Chicago because I'm not in Chicago. And then on top of that, I work a nine to five which I always forget about, right? And then Top 50 came out. I remember when yours was announced, when you were announced as 22, hair flip, hair flip. And I remember being so excited and crying and also on my way to another meeting because that's what my nine to five is. It's just endless conversations with people. And then when mine was announced, uh, Jeez was the one who actually texted me about it. I was in the middle of the meeting and stood up and yelled like, what the fuck? And then that was weird. And that was like a weird blurring of like burlesque and real life, like coming together. But I guess like the other half of my year following like top 50, I think I think about the past year in terms of like pre top 50, post top 50. As I mentioned, being a person who puts a ton of pressure on themselves, it sucked. It sucked. It was awful. It was so painful. Like I felt so much love. I felt very, very loved, like deeply loved and grateful. But it sucked because I felt like I didn't do any of those things, right? I feel like other people, does that make sense? Like I was getting that external validation, which then made me feel like it wasn't mine or whatever. Or like, well, if I didn't get that, then like, what does that mean? Which is terrible. Yeah. It's awful. It's painful. I mean, the whole setup of, like, all these external validation things, like the top 50 and Behoff and, you know, getting this or that, like, 
quote-unquote important gig the validation thing is like a drug like you get the validation and then you're like i need more and it's like made more complicated by the fact that like the validation doesn't come with any like long-standing benefits like you don't get number four in the top 50 and then like get money from it you know like i think about jeez louise's tweets where she's like i'm the number one most influential burlesque performer in the world but not the number one most booked one though true and like after top 50 was announced like you know this like i was really depressed because my brain automatically went into that hustle mode right into that survival mode instead of being able to just like relish in the fact that my peers and the fans of the industry have voted me into this spot that i don't think anyone first like anticipates being on that list at all period then let alone to be a performer for a year and a half and be at that position. The first thing I went to was, oh shit, now I have to work twice as hard or I don't want to disappoint anyone. And then everything I did, I looked under a microscope and was like, was this good enough? Was this good enough for that person? Like, was it good enough for me? Which of course the answer is always no, it's not, it's not good enough or whatever I was doing, like wasn't enough. And so I just like really, really put that pressure on myself And it sucked. It sucked. You know, things out of my control happened following, you know, following that January top 50 period, which made me question whether or not, like, I am still valid or whether or not, you know, this was deserved. My dad got really sick. And so I had to drop out of a couple shows, like basically right after Top 50 was announced. I had to drop out of a couple big shows. And I was like, oh, shit, well, now I'm disappointing people following that. Like my partner's grandmother died. And so I had to drop out of like more big shows. And then so it was like, again, oh, shit, well, I'm disappointing people. Everyone's going to hate me. I'm never going to get booked again. And being recognized as this thing was all a lie. And that's terrible. That's such an awful and unhealthy mindset to be in. Yeah, it really sucks. But it's familiar. Like, I feel like a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, oh, yeah, been there. You know, like, I had to pull out of a show because, like, I'm a human with a life. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't deserve this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. I wonder whether it's just, like, a kind of inherently part of being an artist or at least being a part of this art form where it's like we have this obsessive relationship with our work that's, like, going to constantly be this, like, Sisyphean battle to, like appease ourselves and like feel as good as we want to and think that we're doing as well as we need to. Right. Like I remember your episode, which was around ish last year's Behoff, sometime after, right? You won Best Debut two years ago. And I remember you were telling me in your episode that you won Best Debut and you won Most Classic. Like you won two titles at Behoff. And yet for like three or four months, like you were depressed like you were in a funk after fucking getting in and winning so then what what does that mean for the rest of us i don't know dude but like it's cool to think about it now during this time when we're all removed from it and nobody gets to have it and like especially these things that are on like a yearly cycle sometimes it feels like there's not enough time to process in between we're just like one is over and then we're gearing up for the next one it's kind of cool if we like sort of contextualize this break from burlesque as a time to like think about those things and think about a way that we can return to it where it's like less something that's like bogging us down mentally emotionally anxiety wise and more of something that's like keeping us up and like like improving our lives and contributing to a balance like i guess that's that's actually the thing like we need to achieve a balance between jessica and shomai 
right. Ooh, I used your muggle name. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I remember the last big show that you and I did, and the last big show that you and I did together, right, it was Front Row Paul's Burlesque Bonanza, and I remember, like, both of us just both being in that moment of, like, ugh, like, I want a break. I just need a break. But we both knew that breaks meant no money, right? Like, you're not on the road. You're not being seen, is everyone going to forget about us? Like, you know, is everything that we've accomplished in the past, like, year or two years, right? Like, does that get washed away with us, like, not wanting to hustle like this? Hustle in this very unhealthy way, right? Like, let's put it, like, in context again, right? If I was gone for, like, six months worth of weekends in a row and then have nine to, nine to five Monday through Friday, then what was my life really like, was that, is that really what I want? And then here we are, like, we were all forced into a break. I know, it kind of makes me feel shitty for us being in that car and being like, wouldn't it be nice to have a break? Like, did we cause the pandemic? Right. Oh, my God. Uh, stop. You know that I'm just going to take the blame for that. Like, I will, like, you'll leave and I'll be like, I did. This is what I get for saying that. Honestly, maybe I caused the pandemic because I'm pretty sure I had COVID at that time. But now we know, right? But then that's, like, I think one of the weird, if we think, if we, like, recontextualize this into, like, gifts of this time, right? Like, we need to normalize, like, not going to work when you're sick. Obviously, there's a lot, like, there, right? Like, we should have, pay, you know, national paid, like, sick time and all of that. Like, I recognize that. I recognize that part of what I'm saying. But it's, like, if you're sick, like, you shouldn't have to work like that, right? Or, like, if you need a break, like, you should feel okay, like, with yourself enough, like, to take a break. Mm -hmm. And if you achieve something... You should be able to sit with it and enjoy it and bask in it and accept it and move on from it instead of just like having to jump to the next thing. Right. Like it took it took this for me to recognize no one can take away like the fact that once in my life, you know, when I'm like old and telling this to my grandkids, once in my life I was voted number four in the world. But it's like no one can take that away, right? Like no one can take away the fact that you were best debut. These are things that we've accomplished and like that's fine and we're allowed to celebrate that and not like have to jump to the next thing right like after you won like you immediately went on tour you can't see me right now but my eyes are wide and I'm like kind of shaking and sweating just like thinking about that time yeah <laughs> yeah like you were depressed and on tour no you could have just like gotten the help that you needed right or like following you know following mine like I could have accepted the fact that I got this recognition. And you know what? My dad's sick, so I need to go take care of my dad whose kidneys have failed or that my partner is mourning because his grandmother died. I could have just accepted that instead of looking at a map trying to figure out, okay, can I drive from Dayton to Minneapolis and get there in time for the gig? No. I should not have been thinking about that at all. But yet, like, that's where we were. Looking back on that time and being able to acknowledge like what was unhealthy and like what wasn't working and like we can laugh about it now, you know, be like, haha, I was so depressed. But like to to look forward to the time when like we're back doing our hustle and like on our grind and like how we can do it in a way that is like less harmful to us, like in a more balanced way. I mean, we have like woo big pharma, but like <laughs> right. what else? Like what in our approach? You and I like have chosen to not do anything burlesque related in this time, except for, you know, this interview and like maybe a costume here or there. We've got into a place from like this manic way of working and grinding and hustling because we felt like we had to, to recognizing like, 
well, we don't have to do anything, but also like bringing it back to the beginning. Why did we start doing this in the first place? Like we've never been in it for the money. We've always been getting our money other ways. So I think that everybody has probably been having this like moment of reckoning with burlesque, regardless of whether they're like creating beautiful shows in their living room, which like I'm so impressed by. Couldn't be me, but like congratulations all for it. Have you had any like personal reckonings as well? Like personal growth during this time? As it relates to my relationship with burlesque, obviously like, right, if you're, if you're listening to this and we're like 20 minutes in, it's like, obviously I recognize all the fucked up ways that I was personal growth wise, like recognizing what I did, what I didn't do, not wrong, but it's like what I could do better, how I can burlesque better and smarter and also maybe let myself enjoy the process and let myself like welcome the recognition I'm getting because that's something I really struggle with. I think part of like that reaction to Top 50 or to how people treated me at BurlyCon was because I wasn't willing to accept that love. And so like that's a whole nother like big thing. Also in this time, I think like my personal growth lies in trying to get to a place of balance. If I was gone for like half of last year, and now I've spent half of this year like at home with my cat and my partner and you, that takes a huge shift. Yeah, like I still am a burlesker, like if I even if I'm not doing digital shows or putting out the podcast or traveling, burlesque doesn't have to only be like, well, if you're not on tour, then you're not really anything or you're not really burlesquing. And it's like, no one ever said that. Literally no one ever said that. And I don't know why like a lot of us play towing that kind of line. Like there's no reason to. I love to hear that. I think that's like, I think it's only natural that like all of this personal growth would come about because during this time we like can't go to bars. We can't like engage in any of the travel, any of the burlesque. We're kind of like cut off from all the fun shit and we have all this time just to like be with ourselves. I've been referring to it kind of jokingly as re-adolescence because it's like when you're like stuck at home as a teen and like you can't go to the bars because you're not 21 yet <laughs> and you just have to sit with yourself and like make some fun for yourself, you know? And like also at the same time you're coming into yourself. I think it's a process of like coming into ourselves outside of the things that we rely on for like validation and to feel whole when we have access to travel and burlesque and like all of those things that we've chosen to like bring some pep and spice into our life now that kind of all of the color has been drained we have to like bring it back ourselves and like that's been really fun to do with you when we're like skateboarding and shit because we still get to use our bodies we still get to wear cute outfits and we're doing it like as us like as humans right and okay part of our re-adolescence right like we've been hanging out a ton and it's been interesting, like, picking up a hobby that, like, yeah, okay, I joke that I'm going to go pro and quit burlesque, whatever. But it's, like, it's been fascinating picking up a hobby knowing that we can't monetize it unless we really, really tried and, you know, put out that business that I bought the website for. But <laughs> we're not going to go pro. Like, we're not going to be on the cover of Thrasher. Like, there's no, like, reason to expect that us, like, you know, almost 30-year-olds, like, are going to do that. And so that's been really interesting, like – pursuing something new that's hard that uses our bodies and just enjoy it doing something for the fun of it like there's literally no end to it other than the fun like you're not doing it for money you're not doing it for clout like actually just doing something to do something and I think about like how both of us started like in burlesque and it was kind of like always a kind of I think like kind of on the same like vein where it's like well I want to be good like I'm doing this because I want to be good and yes, I'm an artiste, but we know that like realistically, like that definition like doesn't matter and doesn't apply to us 
in when it comes to skateboarding and hanging out at the skate park. And so it's been this reanalysis has been super refreshing. And I think like what's been lovely about doing it with you is that like we're burlesque BFFs, right? We've been able to have this time like these past few months to like shift out of just being burlesque friends. Totally. Like all of the time that we used to spend together, we'd be like, we'd meet up, we'd kiki about stuff, we'd gossip, we'd like talk about the upcoming shows, talk about last week's shows, you know, like vocally workshop, like hem and haw about the stuff we were creating. And now I don't want to talk about burlesque. It triggers me and it makes me sad. (laughs) So we talk about like any and everything else, like all of the other stuff that's swimming around in both of our massive brains. You know what I mean? And we get to go so much deeper in a way. I mean, not that burlesque is not deep. Like it's cool to be an artist obsessed with your art, but it's also cool to like take a step back, even if it's forced on us by a global pandemic, (laughs) to like explore everything else within each other and ourselves. Yeah. And like, I love that you got to learn so much more about me and spend so much more time with me. And like, you're still here and you don't hate me and you haven't (laughs) run away. But yeah, right. Like, Okay, I feel like I knew you, like, pretty well, like, pre-pandemic, all of that. Like, we traveled together. I think we traveled pretty well together. But, like, in this time, right, like, I've met your best friend from childhood. Like, I know so much more about your family. Like, all of these things that, like, you wouldn't get if you're sharing an Airbnb. I mean, as much as, like, maybe you would, right? But I don't think you would at the level, you know, if you're just sharing an Airbnb in Vancouver or something for a weekend, Right. Or like you wouldn't have these kinds of conversations about like, oh, my, you know, so-and-so has cancer or whatever. Like this is really affecting me. Like you wouldn't have that conversation at Behoff. Like that wouldn't happen. And so I feel like we've gotten to like know more about each other, like as adults and like cultivate a friendship. I think this is so cheesy and beautiful, but it's like (laughs) cultivate a friendship that I didn't think that I would have or was possible to have like at this stage in my life. Totally. Because it's very much like the teenage girl BFF thing where it's like, we just spend all of our time together. We'll literally just be like both of us lying on my bed, looking at our phones or like sitting on your couch, like not even talking to each other. It's like that passive, almost like the banality is what makes it so valuable and intimate, right? It's like every moment of every day. We don't have to be like meeting up to do something. There's no like goal, you know, or like anything that we're working towards, like literally just like spending the time to spend the time, which is really amazing. Yeah. And like, I think a lot about what our 2020 would have been without the pandemic, right? Like you with, you know, coming off of like last year's Behoff and, you know, Miss like headliner queen of the striptease stuff. And then me with top four, like our year would have been our year would have, we would have intersected, right? We, we had Vancouver, we had Indianapolis, we had, we would have seen each other like once a month for the next year that would have felt fine like in you know normal life in our in our before lives right like that would have been enough that would have been fine we would have done festivals together we would have traveled together blah 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 but like it you live a mile away from me and it took a pandemic I mean we were hanging out before like that's you know that's that's like kind of a gross exaggeration but it's like if our year went as planned we would have we would have had to fly to the other side of the country to spend time with each other in very limited small quantities right like in settings that are like dictated by having to go 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 or whatever like it would have been very different totally you know I'm wondering like 
it's interesting how the removal of all of that stuff made it so that like we got to know each other a lot better and this like slowed down like surreal time of re-adolescence has meant that we have like learned so much about each other has it also been the case that you've learned a lot about yourself in spending all of this time with you as Jessica and not as Shomai? Yeah, I think I think I've learned a lot of ooh, it's so cheesy. Okay. <laughs> I think I've learned a ton about myself and obviously have been able to reflect on how, I guess, like how much I let burlesque take over my life. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love everything about it. I, I want you all to like fly me out to your cities to host live tapings of the Pacey tapes. Like I want to fly out and do Indigo Blues like visioning retreat like in person. Like I want to do the Beehoffs and the Burley Con. But that's not all that I am. And to think that to let myself believe and to let other people believe that that's all I am is terrible. And is super false. I am not just a dancing dumpling on a stage, right? Like, I'm also not just this, like, sexy, fat internet lady. Like, there's more to me than that. And I think, like, in the two years that Show My More has existed in the capacity that, like, all of you know of Show My More, like, I let that be all of me. And that is weird. I kind of like that we've like taken this turn while we're talking about, you know, the COVID break and, and there's not a lot of space in this interview that we've taken up mourning burlesque because I feel like we've kind of got past that point, but also I feel like it's really important to acknowledge the silver lining that is, you know, the worst thing happening to us is the loss of our access to one of our passions and that we also are given all of this extra time to explore the whole slew of other things that make us us and that could make us happy and could fulfill us in similar ways. I think the things that I love about burlesque like, also very much exist outside of burlesque. We're able to do something more? Something, I don't want to say something greater because, you know, burlesque and art is really important, but it's like in this time, like we've had the gift of being able to take our energy or our money or whatever and do something different that I don't think we would have been able to do otherwise. I don't want to appropriate this language, but I think it's like a really useful framework. And I've been listening to Redbone's IG lives when she's not banned from the platform (laughs) where she talks a lot about divesting to invest. And like, I'm wondering whether we're going to, away from this when we can get back to all of the things that so consume us later, whether we're going to kind of divest some of our energy from those things, at least to a point where like we can feel like sane and happy um, and invest that more in some of these things that we are like finding to be greatly fulfilling now, you know? Yeah. I think like one of my big hopes and wishes like in this is when we get back, I think like one of the things I need to remember and that I keep forgetting is like when we're back to normal quote unquote like it's not going to be a light switch and all of a sudden now we're all applying for these festivals and now we're all going right it's going to be slow it's going to be slow that's what I think um as painful as that sounds right and we need to be kind and gentle with ourselves but I also really hope that I don't lose all of the things that I've learned in this time whether that is like oh you don't need to manically work on 
this one act for like 30 hours a week to make it perfect because it'll, you know, and you'll never let yourself believe that it's good enough, right? Like that's one thing I learned, but also like all this other stuff learned about all these orgs that need help outside of the burlesque orgs, right? There's all these community things that I could be doing, like in terms of my neighborhood community, not just my burlesque community, but also on top of that, like how can I serve my burlesque community? And then also like, I hope that people, don't lose sight of the things that they've learned that they loved, you know, once things pick up again or get busy again, right? Like whether that is like roller skating or skateboarding or like just spending time at home with your partner or spending time at home with yourself. Like I really, really hope that we continue to recognize how we can do things better and continue to invest that time or money like into whatever it was that helped us stay afloat like during this crazy pandemic time. Hell yes. Consider this like a verbal promise between you and me and everyone listening that we will attempt to do that, that we will attempt to hold on to the kernels of life that have been like rays of sunshine for us that have made us feel grounded and centered, maybe in ways that we weren't even feeling before this tragic pandemic happened, you know, and to bring those with us as we move forward, no matter what happens. I hope so. Okay, I'm holding you to it. Can't wait for everyone to tag me in their sourdough loaves or whatever. Show me. I hope you all name a plant after me in your victory gardens. I think about, like, you know, obviously this has been awful. Our government has failed us. The world is a terrible place, all of that. But I think what you and I have done a lot of in this time, like in this re-adolescence, whatever, is, like, recognize what are the nuggets, the little gifts that this period has given us. And obviously that comes with a lot of privilege in saying that given that, you know, they, they, they think, you know, just blanket statement comes with a lot of privilege, like in being able to say that, but we've been able to do things that we otherwise like wouldn't have. I think coming out of this though, there's been tons of important conversations that have happened. I hope people continue to recognize like what it means to cast diversely. You know, I think one of the magic things of this time is recognizing that we don't have to be at the whims of the venue or of the owners of the venue or of the audience, right? Like you're allowed to make decisions. If you don't feel safe going to that show, don't go, right? Like if you if you feel like this cast can be more diverse, then hopefully that's something that you speak up and say, like, as we come back or even right now and, like, as digital shows are happening, like, you can hire literally anyone in the world. So please hire fat performers, hire black and brown performers, hire trans and non-binary performers. Like, that's one of the true, like, nuggets of this time in burlesque. Absolutely. I And if you are hired ask about who else has been hired. This is something that Monday Blues brought up in the VIBF, Vancouver International Burlesque Festival, um, Zoom meeting that they had. And they were basically like, when you get hired, you ask them who else has been hired. And if the cast doesn't reflect your ideology about who all should be represented on stage, then you now are in a position where you can say, let's do something about that because you know, because you've asked. Yeah, I think that it's really cool. We've all kind of embraced our ability to enact change in so many ways, you know, from protesting the streets to asking the questions to taking the power back. And I certainly hope we continue to do that. I believe in you, everyone listening. I believe in you too. Like all 
summers in adolescence. This conversation in the summer will come to an end, and then you're going to move out of Chicago for now. Not for good, but for now. And then I'll just be all alone. This was good and emotional. Thank you all for listening. Aria, do you want to go skate? Let's go skate. Thanks again, Aria. I love you. I miss you. It's been, I don't know, like 16 days, but who's counting since, you know, I waved goodbye as she drove away in her U-Haul. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. I'm so glad that I was able to share this conversation with all of you listening to the Pacey Tapes right now. And I want to know about you. How have the last six months been for you? How has it changed how you do burlesque, how you think about burlesque? Are you welcoming this break? Are you able to recharge? Are you feeling inspired again? Are you still kind of in the void? I want to know how you're doing. So text me or leave me a voicemail at the Pasty Tapes hotline. The number there is 1-530-PASTIES. That's 1-530-727-8437. Or you can always shoot me an email at thepastytapes at gmail.com. I am so ready to be rolling out more episodes for you as we finish out this last portion of the year. You'll be hearing episodes from people like Lola Le Soleil, Dirty Martini, World Famous Bob, Ray Gunn again, Bazooka Joe, and so much more. I'm so, so, so excited to keep putting out episodes for you. This is a project that I love, and I'm, again, so happy to know that you're here listening right now. Thank you again to members of the Pacey Tapes fan club for keeping this project rolling. Special shout out to Kyle H., the man with the hat, Violet Passion, and all of our longtime members and our new members like Kinetic Kristen and Teresa. If you want to join the Pacey Tapes fan club, receive exclusive emails and snail mail, and have access to my fun, kind of emo, kind of full of Flanders finsta, you can join the Pasty Tapes fan club at thepastytapes.com. I've been your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, and you can find me across the internet at Show My More. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Be well, be kind, and stay safe. You have been listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Shomai Moore, the steamiest Asian dumpling. This is Blanche Debris saying thanks for listening, and see you later, ducklings.